This is episode 26 of the Rising Man Podcast with Jacques Equier, East Coast baby. What is up, Rising Man family? Welcome back to the show. I'm Jetty Azuma, and I am the host and creator of the Rising Man Podcast, and I am so happy to be back here with you on another Thursday with another incredible man from our community to share some wisdom bombs with you. Before we get into this powerful episode with Jacques, let me first just remind you guys, if you are not already a member of the Rising Man Facebook group, you must go over to facebook.com slash groups slash the Rising Man right now. It's jumping off. We are really, really, really starting to blow up in these conversations. We're having our first Rising Man Fire Circle community gathering this Saturday, July 14th, and the community is just continuing to grow. So if you're not already a member, make sure you go over to the Rising Man Facebook page and get an invite for yourself. And while you're at it, make sure you invite at least one other man, one other brother who would benefit from being a part of this growing community. Let me talk about the Rising Man Fire Circle for this weekend for just a moment. The invitations have gone out. The date is set. The time is set. It's going to happen this Saturday, July 14th. It's going to start at 1 p.m. This first Rising Man Fire Circle is going to be for the biggest supporters of this show. I've been keeping track of all of you guys out there. The ones who have been tuning in every week, leaving comments, sharing episodes, tagging friends, inviting hordes of men to join the Rising Man Facebook group. You guys are the ones that I wanted to start off with for our first circle to reward you, to thank you, to show my appreciation and for all of us to start diving in together. This is going to be a recurring activity, a recurring event for our community because connecting is what this is all about. So this first Rising Man Fire Circle, we're going to jump on the Zoom link that all of you should have received as a message in your Facebook Messenger inbox. If you did not receive that, make sure you reach out to me directly on Facebook, or you can email me jettyazuma at gmail.com or the Rising Man Podcast at gmail.com if you feel like you don't know where you're going. But all the information should be there in your message inbox. And in the future, invitations will be going out to the entire community so that we can have these massive gatherings of men once a month. So stay tuned for more on that. I'm really excited about this opportunity to connect with all of you guys from all over the world who have been supporting the podcast so far. And as I always mention at the top and bottom of every episode, if you're listening to this podcast and things have begun to stir up in you, if you're starting to recognize that you're not where you want to be in your life, you're not in the relationship you want to be in, maybe you're not in any relationship at all, you don't have the job, the career, the purpose that's lighting you up on fire, but you know that you're capable of more, send me a message. Let me know what's challenging you right now. Hit me up on Facebook Messenger or at jettyzoom at gmail.com. I want to know what is happening for you in your life right now. The biggest, the number one challenge, obstacle that you're facing that you just don't know how to overcome, share it with me. Show me that you're willing to be vulnerable and I guarantee that I will get back to you and see how we can collectively come together as a solution. Because if you listen to the last episode that I published on Monday about hunting alone, we're in this together. We're meant to do this together. So. I don't want any man left behind. If that's you, send me a message. Let me know what your biggest challenge is, and I will get back to you right away. All right, so this week's guest is a man by the name of Jacques Equier. He is the president and founder of 4S for Life, 
which is a unique organization that raises funds and distributes them to charities and campaigns serving a multitude of causes, from Ronald McDonald House to the Wounded Warrior Project and many more. The basic premise behind Jacques' organization is to empower the purposes of other organizations that are doing tremendous work in the world. And I'll tell you that Jacques is a stand-up guy. He's a devoted husband and father, committed to making a difference in people's lives across a broad spectrum. He hosts a podcast, raising awareness around a multitude of topics, ranging from drug addiction to PTSD and parenting, basically anything that is going to advance us as a human race. And he's a strong advocate for vulnerability and asking for help. So I really love this guy. I love his message and where he comes from. On the show, we tackled a number of topics. As you guys can see, when we start off, we we dove right in and carried the conversation wherever it went and we touched on some really powerful things just to name a few we talked about the challenges of drug and substance abuse what life looks like through the eyes of a depressed and suicidal man why people are feeling so disconnected and why violence becomes a means of escape and expression and we also talked about how we can change the world by raising the bar for parenting yes it all starts right at home with what we are modeling for our children and what we are teaching our children. So, without further ado, I present to you all today, Mr. Jacques Equier. All right, here we go. Jacques Equier, my man. Coming live to us from the East Coast. Good to finally get you here, brother. I know it took us a little while, mostly on my part, to get us scheduled here, but great to have you here, man, live on the Rising Man podcast. I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah, well, we're both busy. You know, we're both doing the same type of thing. We have the same goals, I think, uh, after talking to you. And, uh, you know, we just get caught up in, in everyday life. And sometimes it's hard to connect. But I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Yes, man, absolutely. And for all of the men who are listening, we started off this conversation before we hit record saying we don't know exactly where we're going to go with this. <laughs> we just know that there's a resonance no. here. And there's definitely some pertinent topics we want to jump into. Some of the things that have been up for you recently are drug addiction and, and being in support of people in your life who are going through drug addiction, drug abuse, and the circumstances around that. I know you also have some of your own experience of battling through d different substances and, and also overcoming suicide, suicide attempts and, and depression. So a, a huge topic that I believe so many men are suffering with in silence. And I'm glad that there's men like yourself and other men out there. I, I interviewed a man all the way out in Australia recently named Leon Ruri, who is an advocate for suicide prevention and being an, and speaking to depression that men are going through. So it's a big topic. And I know that there's a lot of men out there who sometimes they don't even realize they're going, they're depressed, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sometimes it's just predicated on the belief that it goes back to the whole alpha male thing. We, we, we aren't allowed to show our emotions. We're not allowed to show that we have feelings, you know, and that's something that, you know, that's a stigma that I don't like attached to. I mean, you know, we're both, you know, male, strong males. I believe that. I mean, I like to think of myself that way. The suicide part of it, I actually accidentally shared on a live video no one had ever really known that it was only my wife my sons and maybe one close friend so when it had slipped out on live video i just ran with it i said you know what everything else had been an open book about i'm going to share it and just you know let everyone know and the reactions were amazing because no one even the closest people didn't know that i had tried it it was almost like a shock mm -hmm. well s since we're jumping right into it let me ask you this as a man who's been through that before what is the rationale or what is the reason behind not sharing that? 
with people before it accidentally slipped out? I don't think it ever just came to the forefront. I, it was one of those things that I didn't mind sharing that. And you and I have talked, I, you know, like my parents passing from cancer, dealing with other uh, things that have gone on, but it was something very deep and personal. Suicide is something that it's almost like domestic violence with a woman or rape with a woman. Same concept. You don't want to be a victim. You don't want to be labeled. You don't want to be stigmatized uh, as a weak individual, so to speak. And we all know that suicide, the general idea is it's a weakness. You know, you're weak. You're that's the easy way out. Well, not necessarily because I try to tell people that I was probably at the bottom, like at the deepest, darkest spot that I've ever been in my life. And that happened twice over 10 years. And it just happened with loss of either family members or just traumatic experiences that I've been through with my family. And it was piled on with, with other things that were going on in my life. And it just, it just compounded, compounded, compounded. And I felt like there was no escape. It was like being in a tunnel. It was almost like being in a black hole where there was no peripheral vision. It was just straightforward darkness. And the only way I could see to get out was to just take all the pain away. Mm -hmm. and, and so when you're in that space, when you're in that dark tunnel and, and that becomes the next best option, are you thinking about your family? Because a lot of people, when, when they talk about, you know, trying to help someone out of that, they say, what about your kids? What about your wife? What about what, what is going through the mind of a man who's in that dark tunnel? Well, that, that's just it. At the, at the time, I'll use the first time that it happened. There, there was really like nothingness. There wasn't, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of sorrow, a lot of depressed, suppressed feelings. And I didn't really care. You know, not that I didn't really care. Let, let me rephrase that. I knew that my sons needed me. I knew that at the time my fiance or she was my girlfriend at the time needed me. But you don't see that because you think you're doing everyone a favor by saying, hey, you know what? I, I'm a burden. You know, I'm, I, I'm not the man I once was. I, I feel like I'm not just physically weaker, but mentally and emotionally weaker. I can't sustain a relationship. How am I supposed to pass this on to my kids or my wife when I can't even, you know, bring myself out of this? You know, you're, you're just, it's a selfish decision. It really is. I mean, in my opinion, it, it, it's a selfish act, but it's at the time and it's hard to describe because that's just the only way that you know to get out. Like there's, you can talk to people, but you know, you really don't want, you're not listening to what they're saying or you're not hearing it because you're set on that one, that one end all because you're like, okay, I've had enough. This is, this is piled on. This is piled on thing after thing, after thing, after thing, or bad thing after bad thing have piled on so far and so hard. You just, your shoulders are only so broad as a, as a as a man that you feel like wow the weight of the world is just crushing mm -hmm. and and i think one of the biggest issues is that so many men who end up in that space cuz that's not really a unique thing right experiencing stress experiencing right. pressure being a provider for a family taking care of children being mm -hmm. a leader in your community like that is that is pressure let's just call it what it is so it's not really that unique but there is something that drives some men to that decision and and others you know, don't go that route. And I believe that a lot of men are trying to hold all of this weight and this burden by themselves. Is that something that was happening for yeah. you? Did, were you sharing this with anybody? No, at the time. And, and that would be something that you just brought up that I would recommend. Whatever you do, don't hold it in. It makes it that much worse. And I'm speaking from experience. You know, after I was able to talk to, I'm just going to say my wife instead of calling her fiance, girlfriend at the time, Katrina, we'll just, we'll just name her. And she had to stop the attempt. First attempt was me trying to slip my own throat. Because I figured that was the quickest way to do it. And I had the knife to my throat, made the indentation in my neck, and I was ready to just rip it right across. I mean, I know it's a little graphic, but it is what it is. And she grabbed me by the hand, and, you know, she told me, listen, you know what? Your sons need you. I need you. You can't do this. You're not helping anybody. You're a better man than this. You know, you have more to offer. All the positivity that you need in, in, a, in a support system. And 
I was still holding the knife there and still trying to listen to her and try to sort of juggle everything in my mind and say, okay, am I going to do this? Is she making sense? Okay, now she was putting doubt in my mind that, you know, not to follow through with it. And I thank God for that every day that, that she did finally had to use both hands to pull my wrist away from my, my throat to, to get me to stop. And then after I had stopped the attempt, I broke down and bawled. You know, I just broke down. Everything just came out. It was just a, a cleansing, uh, just tears. They, everything just came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And th- thank you for being so transparent with the experience. Because I also know that a lot of people can come and speak about, yes, you know, I've made attempts at suicide or I've been depressed in the past without really explaining the nature of what it was. And I think that that's what, because that's what other men out there are going through. There's other men who are at that same stage in the process you were in where they're in that dark tunnel. They're Maybe they're on the doorstep. Maybe they've decided that today is the day that they're going to finally do it and all the other options are off the table. That's that's what we do as men, right? Is we, fo- we zero in on our number one option right. and let everything else fall by the wayside. And to recognize that you can be in that place and that something as simple as words from someone that you love or you know their physical presence can change mm-hmm. that entirely is, is is massive and so i want to talk a little bit more about this this perception that asking for help is weakness and i don't think that it's by coincidence that the last mini episode i published this monday was all about trying to do things by ourselves and hunting alone so tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that maybe you can tie in some of your background experience family life you know just first world culture where we believe that men are supposed to do it all by themselves well, yeah, I, I just feel that that's that's always been a stigma for, for years. I think what our fathers grew up on and their fathers and so on and so forth through the generations is that as a male, you are supposed to be the strength, the protector and the provider, which we do understand. But what we've lost in the process is to be able to show our children affection. There are some men, and again, this isn't going for all men, but Some men have the alpha male mentality. Well, I can't cry because it's a sign of weakness. I've actually even heard people, people that I know in the past that say, well, I can't hug or or give my son a kiss because it's it's almost not homosexual, but it's good. They use gay. Oh, that's that's gay. Or people are going to think I'm queer. I mean, who the hell ever came up with that concept? I mean, you know, nowadays with all the things that we're touching on or will be touching on, and a lot of it does stem even further back, suicide, addiction from bullying, which is what I'm huge on now. That's one of the big topics that my foundation is is building on. But I reach out to people and say, if we can breed hate, because we know that hate breeds hate and bullies breed bullies, why can't we breed love and affection and bring our kids up in a loving household and show them that it's okay to cry. Like I said to you just five minutes ago, crying is a cleansing of the soul. I've always believed that. Obviously, your body as a whole, as an entity, needed to cleanse itself. That's what crying is. I've cried in front of my children. I've cried in front of my wife, my best friends. I don't have any shame in that. I, I don't think any man should. But I think there is that little, there's that little twinge of society that says, well, we can't do that because it's a sign of, it's a sign of weakness. I'm sure you've heard that. I mean, I, I'm sure. Oh, man. Heard. Yeah. And, and experience it myself. And even, even amidst all the work that I've done, that voice is so ingrained in my psyche that I still come up against that. When I, when I give my son a nice right. big hug and I'm feeling love and I want to show him how much I love him, I'll give, I'll give him a kiss. And then there's a voice in my, side that, in my head that says, what is this doing to him? Is this what I want my son to know about his father? Because I love my dad. I've had him here on the podcast and he'll, he'll kiss me on the cheek when I see him after a long time. But when I was growing up, you know, we would hug, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't the same affection you'd get from your mother. Right. So 
so yeah, man, I, I completely agree that even as conscious as we can become, there are still years of conditioning that we're that our psyche is going to be up against. It doesn't necessarily go away. No, but I think, uh, and I've always said, the, the one thing that I hold true with my sons is that I've always been an open book with them. So no matter what questions they've asked me, no matter what, even if I'm something that I did in my past that I've ashamed of, we all have skeletons, I still have shared it with them. If they ask me a direct question, I give them a direct answer. I don't try to shield them from anything because I think nowadays a lot of kids, a lot of children don't deal with trauma in their lives. A lot of parents do like to shield them from things. And when they progress on in age and they get older, and I'll use this for an example. I don't mean to bounce around, but I'll use this for example. When my father passed away in 2013, I wrestled with the decision to have my youngest son go in and see his grandfather. He had never dealt with death before. And I said, Tyler, I said, uh, you know, do you want to go in and, and see grandpa? You know, he, he understood. He was old enough to understand what was going on. But I said, if you're not okay, I'll go in with you or you can go in on your own. He decided to go in on his own. Whatever was said was said. And then he came down, sort of walked up the hallway. And then he just, he just broke down. And of course, as a father, I broke down because there's my son hurting. And the point I'm getting at is, did I make the right decision in having him experience death firsthand? So I wrestled with that over the last couple of years. And I'll talk to my wife, I'll talk to my siblings and just say, wow, you know, not that I'm guilty, but I still don't know if I made the right decision. I'm like, you know, I, I don't want him to be in pain. I don't, none of us want to see our children suffer. But on the other hand, death is an intricate part of life. It's not all, you know, rainbows and unicorns. There is a sad side of life. So I guess in that aspect, I'm slowly coming to the realization that I did make the right decision, no matter how hard it was on him. I think that's going to make him a stronger individual moving forward in whatever it is that he does. So that, that's something that I, ha I had to deal with, you know, uh, being a father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of parents grapple with that, you know, and again, if we blow this out, this is all just discovering what our values are compared to the societal norms mm -hmm. or the societal values that are that are impressed upon us. Right. And I believe that any pain that we delay for our children only grows in strength. So if there's an opportunity that presents itself in, in your life where, you know, for me, my grandfather passed away when I was five years old. Same experience on, on the opposite side of the spectrum. I got to see my dad break down for the first time. One of the few times I ever saw my dad break down. And it, as, as painful as it was at the time, and obviously I can, I can remember it so vividly, so I know it's imprinted on me in a powerful way. It's a, also a story that I've built my life from, having lost my grandfather at a young age, so a man who meant a lot to me, unexpectedly leaving, the father of my father, you know, so kind of a, a break in our legacy, mm -hmm. and also, you know, the things I learned about my dad, watching him go through that. So yes, pain is, is temporary, and it is, uh, it's, a, it's an absolute component of life. So I, I don't think that it's valuable to delay that for our children. And then there's also the, uh, the other side of the conversation that says, well, our, our role is to be protectors and, and safety providers for them until they can do that themselves. Correct. So it's, it's not black and white, I think. No. Well, there, well, we both know, and every parent out there knows, there's no handbook on parenting. You sort of just learn as you go. And, you, and, and you, know, you know, you take what your parents instilled in you. And you know what? It's funny that you brought that up because when my, uh, I lost my mother uh, in 1991, uh, she was only 47. She battled cancer for 10 years. That was the first, I think the first real close to home, uh, obviously your mother being the matriarch of the family. And so when you bring up your father crying, that was the first time I've saw my dad cry my dad was a, is a very big man six foot four 290 pounds massive physical presence 
um, you know, a professional bodybuilder, weightlifter, strongest man I ever knew. Never saw this man shed a tear until he was sitting there with the fam, with the four of us, us siblings and himself. And I finally saw him show that side. And I think maybe that was my enlightenment moment there that said, you know what? Wow. Here's the man that you put on the biggest platform. You, you hold him up to this standard. Wow. Wow. You know, my dad, it's my dad, but he was able to show that and it was okay. And I said, you know what? It's okay. So as I transgressed into the whole, you know, to being a father and going back to what you said, I think that you going up and, and, and kissing your son on the cheek or the forehead or whatever, I think that is what you want your son to, because what I'm getting from you, and we've only talked a couple of times is that you're very free spirit, but you're, you're very, you're very strong. Not only, I don't mean physically, but mentally, emotionally, I've watched your podcast. You're a very intelligent man. So I, I think you're doing the right thing. That's just my opinion because that's what I feel. I mean, my sons are bigger than I am now and I still give them a hug, tell them I love them. Always tell them, listen, you're always going to be my little boys. Doesn't matter how big you are. And now my son has my grandson and to see him as a father is amazing. So this is the whole circle of life. So now I watch him and he is so loving to his son and somewhere. And even now I get, I'm getting goosebumps now because it's one of those things where I know I did something right. So now that's my way of saying or seeing, wow, you did the right thing. You didn't, you, you bred him in that household where you wanted him to love and, and, and be able to show emotion. And now he's doing that as a father. That is the best gift he could have ever given me as a father. Mm. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, I think the even more courageous thing is being willing to not have to do it right, to just to just accept that your way is your way. And we're going to give our children yeah. whatever they get from us, no matter what. We're either, you know, we, we could right. over parent them, we could under parent them, we could be too present in their lives and protect them from things, or we can be completely distant. And I think what the most important thing for us to accept as parents is the choices that we make are going to have an impression on them. And that's the bottom line. And, and to learn to live with it and say, hey, that's just what they get. That's what they get from us. And, and we do our best based on our intention and what matters. Otherwise, you know, mm -hmm. that's the, like you said, there's no handbook. And if there was a handbook, there's no way it's going to apply to everybody. <laughs> no, no. Every, yeah, I mean, people have to realize that everything you do in your life for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, three, is a choice. And that is from the what foot you put on the floor in the morning, what side of the bed you sleep on, what finger you rub your eye with. If you think about it subconsciously, everything you do is a 50-50 chance of being right or wrong. But who's to say what's right and who's to say what's wrong? But if you sit there, a lot of people don't sit back and think about that and go, wow, every little thing, me picking my hand up right there, me looking at you, me looking over, everything is a subconscious decision in your life. Every little thing that we do. Mm. It's amazing to think of it on that level. Yeah, man. And that's, I'm actually just having this realization as we speak that, I know men all over the world from all different types of backgrounds with different types of values are going to listen to this podcast. And I've had men reach out to me and a lot of them, some men will be really excited about one particular message that a guest on the show said. And, I'm, and then I'll get a message mm -hmm. from another guy that says, what the hell was he talking about? Like that, that doesn't make any sense. That goes against what, what I believe, what you believe and da, 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 da. And I'm realizing that we are all going to decide what being a man is for ourselves. We're all going to decide what masculinity is, what fatherhood is, what being a husband and a leader in our communities mm -hmm. is or are. And so as long as we're conscious that we're making a decision with every choice that we make about who that man is and how we show up, that's what really matters mm -hmm. at the end of it all. 
that's that's the most important thing. And what you're saying right now is really illuminating that for me because there is no right way to do it. And if we believe that there is, then we're full of shit, <laughs> frankly. I agree totally. Yeah, and you know, it's the thing is that we and I've learned the same thing you have through doing the podcast. You're going to have people that are going to agree and disagree, and you know what? That's part of life. You know, going into that, we're putting ourselves out there. You are, I am, the other people that are doing podcasts. We've taken, we've made that choice again, a decision to go out and and try to help people, not push our values, just give our opinions on things. And if we can give advice along the way, something that may have helped us, like we were talking earlier, ten minutes ago, with with me in the suicide attempts. If I can save one life, if I can, you know, once one life a day, I've done my job, you know, and I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist. I don't want anyone to think I have any kind of medical degree. I just have a lot of shit that happened to me in my life. And I've been through a lot of, a lot of shit. I mean, I know to reiterate that, but it's just, I've got thick skin. It doesn't, uh, things don't phase me as much anymore. I'm not, uh, I'm not overly shocked by anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I think I, I'm I'm adapted to handle a lot of situations that some people, you know, wouldn't know how to how to adapt to. I mean, so I I think it it's helped all those scars, the scars that you know make the man. And I think I I have a shit ton of scars. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, and and that goes back to what you were saying before, where you had doubts of whether it was too soon to share that intimate experience of death with your son. You know, like you just said it right there. You know, all of your scars are what have allowed you to be prepared for life. And so you know. I think that I, that's the wisdom in yeah. that is that whatever we experience is is going to serve us in some way, and and usually in retrospect, when we're going through it, it's not always comfortable. But you no. know, even even in a lot of rites of passage passage um, rituals that occur in other cultures, one of the signatures of that is some sort of pain, suffering, challenge, uh, discomfort, mm-hmm. because other cultures know that part of becoming an adult is being aware that life is there is a struggle in life. That's part of it. And being able to rise to that challenge instead of falter in it, or I'm, I can't think of the words right now, but kind of shrink in the face of challenge mm-hmm. is going to make an even more difficult path for you. So yeah, man. So so what would you say, let, let's actually do this because we, we jumped right in. We were already so warmed up. We had so much to talk about. Um, yeah, <laughs> let, me, let me circle back because uh, I think there's a really relevant question. I usually start off the show and I say, what's the difference between a boy and a man? Before we get to that though, I wanted to throw another question into the mix starting today. So you're the first man that gets to answer this. So no pressure. (laughs) Uh, uh, So what is the difference between masculine and feminine? See, I think, uh, I guess it's hard for me to answer that. And the reason I say that is a lot of what I'm preaching in my podcast is we uh, like to compartmentalize people in groups and we all do it, whether it's black, white, gay, lesbian, fat, skinny, so on and so forth. I mean, we all have to play in the same sandbox. Earth is, a, is one giant sandbox, and we all have to play in the same sandbox. We all play by the same rules. I don't know that I would define masculine and femininity other than, obviously, like I said, the obvious thing, female, feminine, you know, uh, the way her body is formed, same way with a male. I think a woman is, they have deeper, they love deeper, they're, they're more emotionally attached to a lot of things where Men, a lot of times, are emotionally detached from a lot of things. They don't let things affect them the same way that, that and I'm, again, not speaking about all men, but it goes back to the alpha male type of thing where it's like, oh, I'm not going to let this bother me. Uh, you know, I, I'm where a woman, I think they think things through more than men do. I think, like you said, we think of that first thing and we're, we're normally, uh, we normally jump in with both feet in as guys. A lot of times, a lot of times we don't think of a lot of things, <laughs> you know, we just jump right in. We're like, we don't think about maybe not so much the ramifications or the, uh, the outcome. We're just like, okay, we're going to just jump, bam, bam, bam. We're, we're go-getters where a woman will sit back 
And I've noticed this with my sister, my mother, and now my wife. They think things through. You can always look at a woman and see them thinking everything through. I mean, watch, you know, <laughs> you're, you're married, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So watch your wife. At some point when you guys are having a conversation or, or uh, maybe even a disagreement, if you have those, and, uh, and just, and just, watch, just, look, just look at her. Just, just look at her. Don't even say anything. Just look at her and watch the thinking that's going on in that process. I'm telling you, you have to do it. Just take 30 seconds and just watch it and you'll get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. I mean, I know, I know it's sort of circumvented, but it, it's really tough to say because I don't, I still think that we're generalizing the sexes. And I think that's part of the, the, the problem with, with society outside of not, you know, just men and women are different. It can go back to, you know, women don't need to make as much. They don't have certain rights. We can go right down, you know, that's a huge conversation. And the, uh, the other thing you said was, I'm trying to remember, was uh, being comfortable. And you have to be taken out of your comfort zone at some time because the problem with society today is that we're comfortable. We're lazy. And that goes for everybody in this country. This country has fallen to the wayside. Everything, family values, all these things that are going on with the kids, the school shootings. I mean, I know I'm going off a little bit, but it goes back to comfortability. You need to take yourself out of the comfort zone. You have to have challenges in your life. And I don't think men and women should be labeled as different other than what I just said to you, the deeper feelings and the thinking through or the jumping on something without, you know, thinking all the way through our, our, our decisions, which I yeah. Yeah, man, I I hear you, and and a lot of that I think there there's a lot of men out there who would agree with it, and and the natural follow up to this question I think is is there a difference between being a man and masculinity? Are they are they one in the same, or is there a distinction? I think you can be I think you can be a man and be masculine, and still on the flip side show your emotions. I I don't know that there's a generalized definition. I mean, what is, what is masculine? I mean, so I can flip it on you and say, for you, what is the definition in your mind of masculine? What what makes a man masculine? Yeah. So to me, masculinity is that that essence you're speaking to. It's the ability to be decisive, to be grounded, to be present to be purposeful and and focus oriented to be logical and strategic in what we in the choices that we make not be in as much in tune with our emotions and not making emotional decisions but more factual or research based decisions in the way that we approach life and approach our challenges i think there's an element of masculinity that has fire and strength and muscles and and all of that attached to it that doesn't necessarily mean what masculinity is mm-hmm. but what masculinity can emerge from uh, whereas, you know, for me, feminine or femininity, I think, is what you said. It's it's a softer, more gentle uh, kind of flow, the timeless, right? I think of masculinity as being a little more rigid and um, impeccable. Yeah. And femininity is a little more creative and unknown. And that that's those are the distinctions I make. So it's a little bit of a trap question because I think that man and woman both have masculine and feminine qualities. And that, like you were saying, I, I, I love the way you answered the question because you were you couldn't answer it the way I asked it because it doesn't really make sense for you. And, and I don't think that it should. I think that even some of the quote-unquote manliest, most masculine men I know have said to me, we've got these energies swirling around in us all the time. And it's, it's a matter of choosing which is most appropriate for what's presenting itself to me. Right. You know, when my wife comes to me and she's in full breakdown mode, does it serve to be in tune with my emotions and, and matching her emotions for where she's at? Does she need a more grounded presence, someone who can just be solid and listen? And then every single life situation, I think, calls upon different needs. So, you know, you got to be the guinea pig, man. Thanks for playing along because this is not an easy question to answer. Hey. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, it did make me think about it. And like I said, it, it was, uh, and I agree with you. I, I think what you just said was a, was a valid point. If your wife, you know, needs you, same with what I would do with my wife. And I think that's where your decision-making comes in. You say, okay, 
you know, she's having like, uh, she lost her father a few years ago as well. And, you know, I told her, I said, whatever you need, you know, I'm here for you. You know, if you want to sit, you know, I gave her a hug. I cuddled with her, whatever she needed. And it was okay to let my guard down. And it's what you said. I didn't have to be the rigid, strong. You pick your spots where you need to, you know, not so much defend your family, but, you know, you need to protect your family. And there are spots within your lifetime that you need to step up as a man, rigid, masculine, strong, fire, like you said. And you need to be that. I'm not saying that alpha male is, is a bad thing. I just think we can tone it down a little bit and say to our kids, it's okay, like you said, to show that other side, not have to label it as femininity, but just say, you know what? It's okay to be the tough guy and the strong man, but it's also okay to show emotion when it's warranted. And that could be if someone that you love is in pain and then they hurt. It's okay to go over and comfort them. There's nothing wrong with that. It's human compassion. I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but I've always said, I end a lot of my podcasts with, I believe that every human being on this planet wants one thing out of life, and that is to know that they are loved. And I don't care if you're the biggest, baddest guy on the planet, you still want to know that somebody cares, that you matter to somebody. And I think that's genuinely for every, I don't care if you say you hate everybody, if you're whatever, I still believe deep down inside you want to know that you matter to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. And, you know, for the for the macho guys out there who hear love and immediately get triggered and shut down, I think that another way of saying that is that our greatest need is to feel like we belong. And like you said, to feel like we matter, to feel like we have value because we're social animals. We're social mammals. We thrive exactly. in community, in village, and in collaboration with each other. And to not love or loving, loving and love and empathy is one way that connects us. It's one way. It's not it's not right. the only way or the end all be no. all, but it's right. one way that we feel connected. And if we're defining masculine culture as shutting love off for whatever reason, like you said, whoever came up with that yeah. idea, whatever reason that came up. But if we're defining masculine culture as not being loving or being able to express ourselves as accepting other people or appreciating other people, then we're literally breaking our connection. And we're, and we're starting to create the possibility for that dark tunnel, you know, cause I, I know for myself, I've spoken about on Facebook lives, I've spoken about on the podcast before I went through a period of my life in my early twenties where I was so numb to the state of the world. I was finally becoming aware of what the world looked like and how painful it seemed for so many people. I didn't want to experience it. So I turned to marijuana and I spoke, I smoked marijuana, I smoked tobacco around the clock just to keep myself from feeling what was happening around me until it didn't work anymore until I realized that that right. doesn't work and not all men get to that point you still it's it's still a choice that you know as painful as it is to be in this dark place of addiction and and reliance on a substance it's still better than being vulnerable and sharing what I'm feeling with other people and that's the part that I think we as men get to start choosing differently in and supporting brothers who are in that state because it's it's tough if you haven't anyone who's been there knows how hard it is to pull yourself out of well th yeah think of it this way and this is building off what you say now you've seen a group of women women go out say your wife has close friends they sit down what do they talk about emotions feelings things that are going on in their life things that are close to their heart okay now we get together with our guys guy friends whoever what are we talking about sports hunting whatever how hot some other chick is everything every topic but how we feel inside because it never crosses our mind. It's like, well, we can't talk about that because we're with dudes and we have to be those guys. Who's Listen, I've had some of the best heart-to-heart -heart talks 
with some of my close male friends that have gone through similar situations and I can call them up and say, Hey, listen, so-and-so you want to go out and get dinner or do you want to just go grab a beer? And I just need to chat. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, let's go out. And that's what we do. We sit at a table and we talk about real life shit. My kids, their kids, if they have them, our relationship. And I just want to let every man out there, whether you believe in what I'm saying or you don't, it is okay to do that. There's nothing wrong with that because we all need to vent once in a while as men as well. Because the longer you keep that inside, it builds into what you were just saying. You start relying on substances, whether it be alcohol, hard drugs, tobacco, gambling, whatever. And then that can go into a whole different spiral, which is what we led the whole conversation of. Because depression breeds suicidal thoughts a lot of times, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So it's a bad road. It's a bad road, a bad road to be on. And I can definitely say that from, from firsthand experience. Yeah. Yeah, man, I 100% agree with you. I believe also that talking about sports, talking about hunting, talking about hot chicks, you know, women that are attractive, whatever you want to call it, is yeah. is also light forms of those addictions, right? We can be addicted to television. We can be addicted to football. Like I, I, I grew up watching the New York Jets. You know, fortunately, unfortunately, you know, it's one of oh, one of my curses. Man. I know, <laughs> I know, man. Believe me, it's it's a curse. It's a family curse. Um, <laughs> And as bad as those guys have been most of my life, I still check. I've noticed that I still check up on how they're doing, check the news and all that stuff. So the point is, is that we can have light addictions, you know, food, overeating, sugar, all of these things yeah. are addictions that are not going to kill you today, like an hero, like a heroin overdose could. But but they're right. also just distractions that are keeping us from getting to the point of what's really happening inside. So thank you for being another man who's speaking to that because. That's pretty much what this whole thing is about. If I really drop in and say, you know, the, the podcast here, yes, to bring men on here who share their stories, who give some strategies and insights into how they've navigated the journey into manhood, being a man, and all of these confusing topics that have been distorted by media, the message behind it all is that we need brotherhood and we need community. We need to circle up as men and share what's happening for us as men, period. Absolutely. I agree. I, I think, like I said, I've watched some of your other podcasts and, and some people are, are more deeper. I, I, I just, I sort of just got into the whole aware. I mean, it took me some time to, uh, but I really started, I uh, had a couple of good guests on that were like double majors in psychology and, and they were really smart people. And I've learned a lot from them. And I goes back to me. I always thought of myself, I'm a street smart and I pick up things really fast. So what I'll do is I'll pick their brain. Then I move forward with it and I apply it to the podcast. Sort of not on the level you do. I still have some, depending on the topics. You know, we still have females on. Like if we're doing something that's a male-dominated topic, I'll bring a female on just to get some retrospective from that point of view. Because I think it's only fair that we have, you know, uh, that side as well. Because, you know, again, women feel different about things than we do. But I love your whole concept. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's great. And I think we do need more people like that because I... I Again, it goes back to just loss of connection with our families, with society, with our communities. And like you said, you open, you know, you, you don't want to even open the paper anymore or look at the news because everything is negative. And why do they do that? Because negativity sells papers. They sell ratings. No one's going to go on if it's, hey, it's going to be sunny out in 80 degrees for the next two months. It's never going to rain. It's never going to snow. Everyone's getting a new car. I mean, who the hell is going to listen to that? I mean, I mean, it'd be great, but we're not going to listen to that. We're going to listen to, hey. This guy got busted with 100 pounds of heroin or this, unfortunately, this child went out and shot up a school, but we're still sucked into it. And that, that's scary. Like I was doing the statistics on some of the, the suicide and bullying and the school. There's an average of one school shooting a week in the United States for the last two years. That's insane. 
That is insane. And and again, it's 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 off a little bit of the topic, but I still say that all this stuff can go hand in hand. These children that are bullied when they're not taught love in the home. So if you're a child and the ages of birth to seven, eight years old, when your mind is a sponge, mommy and daddy are arguing and it gets to the point where it doesn't have to be physical, but very fearful, you know, ferocious yelling, screaming, pointing fingers. Your child absorbs everything that goes on in your house. Okay. And we're going to use males for an example. You're, you're, you're our sons. Your son witnesses his father yelling at his mother, and that's okay, and dad's like this, I'm right, that's it, he storms out or she storms out, your mother's crying. Now, little Johnny or Tommy or whatever, he gets the age of 14, 15 years old, he finds a girl, nice-looking girl, hey, you know what, want to start dating? First thing that goes wrong, now little Tommy, what's he do? What was he taught in his home? Yelling and screaming and fighting and pointing at the woman and demeaning her is okay. So what does Tommy do? Tommy goes and says, listen, blah, 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 I'm right, you're wrong, F you, whatever. Never, that child will never have a stable relationship. And I don't mean just intimately. Friendships, business relationships, because of this could have been prevented here at home when you have, you have the time, but we're so wrapped up in our own lives with iPhones and iPads and, and, and just our busy life. I mean, it's just, I'm trying to preach to parents, 15 minutes a day is all you need to spend with your kids. Take 15 minutes a day. That's 105 minutes a week. I don't care what you do in that 15 minutes. Put your phone down. Put, read a book. Take a walk. Just have a discussion with your children. All children want to do is, is let them know. Like, they'll, they'll sit there and they're, they're like, I'm here. You know, I'm right here. But we're so busy, we don't see it. And they just want to be acknowledged. Hey, I'm here. I want to you know, be proud of me. I, wanna, I want you to love me. I mean, I know maybe it sounds weird, but this is, this is what my feeling on family is and what it should be is that we should be able to take just that little bit of time. I mean, if you want to take more, that's fine. But sit down and listen to a podcast, you know, like something like this. A father could easily sit down and listen to you and I talk, whether he agrees or not. Let his son watch it as well and then sit down, turn it off, have a discussion and say, okay, what did you learn from that? Mm. What did you think of the podcast? Open up the dialogue with him starting the conversation. Then you give your opinion, not at him, but talk to him, with him. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I, I agree. I think that's the lowest common denominator. In fact, when I when the school shootings were starting to stir up again, and I forget which one was the the most recent one, they somebody announced this statistic. So I don't remember exactly where I heard it, yeah. but that the overwhelming majority of school shootings have been by boys or young men. Let's call them young men, and they found that almost every single case of a boy who goes into a school and commits a shooting, there is some sort of disruption between the biological father. It's important that it's a biological father mm -hmm. figure in that, in that boy's yeah, life, whether he's present and abusive or not present and completely distant or you know has been there but doesn't really talk about these things with him and hasn't created a space where he can get that support from his father. And I think it goes beyond that because I, I, I firmly believe that we are meant to raise kids in community, that we're meant to have aunties and uncles around to provide mm -hmm. multiple perspectives on becoming an adult for these young people as they're getting older. But it, like you said, it starts at home. This is, this is the society we've created where there's nuclear families. So the nuclear, the strength of the nuclear family must be strong, must be connected, must be transparent and vulnerable. Otherwise, we start to have that culture of disconnection passed forward through the generations. And that's what we're seeing now. And, that's, and I try to tell people that all the time. I'm like, these, these children don't just get up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to go in and grab an AR-15 and go shoot up a school. We're missing the signs. And there's not, don't get me wrong. I, I've done the podcast on this and I, and I don't just blame the parents. I think as a society, we're slacking. I think there's no connection, A, between your children and your parents, the parents and the teachers, the teachers and the children, 
and everybody in the government. Because what happens when, when this child shoots up the school? It's a finger pointing match. Well, the teachers should have noticed it. Well, the parents should have noticed it. Well, the government should. Well, listen, we all dropped the ball and now children are dead. So you can point all the fingers you want. It's not a finger pointing contest, people. It's we all drop the ball somewhere along the line. All of us are responsible for that young person going in and shooting up the school. All of us. We're all responsible. Everyone should take responsibility for their actions. Mm, period, man. Drop the mic. That's that's it. Nothing more needs to be said about that. <laughs> you know, we, we all get to take responsibility for this one. So I love that, man. I know we're getting close to that point where we wrap up, and I usually lead off with this question. So in the spirit of polarizing questions and <laughs> <laughs> trying to compartmentalize your response, what to you is the difference between a boy and a man? Life experience. I think life experience. I, th I think because as a boy, you are, to a certain point, you're innocent. You haven't really uh, had your eyes, you know, you're, you're not awake in the world to a certain extent, to a certain age. And I think once you start progressing through life and you start having life experiences, whether they be good and or bad, because in the first few years of your life, you know, mom and dad do just about everything. You're sort of sufficient, you know, you, you sustain with what they do for you. You know, they feed you, they clothe you. So until you start getting out and, and doing things, you interact with other children, you start going to school, you have playmates, and you start making decisions on your own. And those decisions will affect you moving forward you slowly start to become a man. And I don't think it's at the age of like puberty. I don't agree with that. I mean, I think that's a bunch of garbage. I mean, cause you got a hair on your face. You're a man. That's horseshit. I never believe with that. <laughs> I think life experiences, well, because honestly, I mean, anyway, I mean, I, I knew kids that were younger than I were that had, you know, facial hair. That didn't mean they were any more of a man, but I would say life experience defines a man. I think that uh, as a boy growing up, you need to have both positive and negative life experiences to strengthen you in every capacity and on multiple levels. And I don't mean just to be physically strong, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, the whole spectrum. You need to have a wide range of experience. I think that that makes you the man that you will become. Mm. I love that, man. And I love your presence with the, with these questions I've asked you because it's just a reminder to me that every time we try to draw perpendicular lines and put things into boxes, we kind of separate ourselves from the natural laws of the universe. You know, everything is circular. Everything is continuous. Even thinking about the journey from boy to man, if we try to draw a line between boy and man, we're missing the point, right? That there's, it's, yes. I think of it more as you're becoming man or even not, maybe not even man. Maybe it's just becoming more of yourself. Like you said, life experience. If that's the yeah. metric of a boy or a man, then that's really the only thing that matters. How much experience do you have is a more fitting question than are you a man? Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not a line like this for boy to man. Your boy to man is like this. So you got up and downs through your life to, uh, you know, to turn you into that person or, or to, you know, mold you into the person that you're going to become. And everything is going to affect that peer pressure, your parents, uh, your siblings. I mean, things that you just go through in everyday life. And I just don't think that kids are exposed to enough anymore. Again, it goes back to way back. And I don't want to drag it out. I know you. But you cannot shield your kids from things. I don't think that's fair to them, and I don't think that's that's good for a parent to do. I mean, certain things. If I, I don't even know that I would do that. I mean, I've been pretty open with my kids, so I, I mean, I can't. I don't think that there's anything I haven't told them. When you, when I told them that I, you know, tried to kill myself, that that was probably the toughest thing for me to have to tell them. Look my boys in the face and tell them that I was a kid. And that's how I told them. I told them, you know what, your father was a coward and he tried to take his own life. And that's hard to say. That's hard to swallow for me now to say that because I'm not a coward. I mean, you don't know me personally, but it's just at the time I felt that way. And I wanted them to know that I felt, I felt selfish. I felt that I, I was, you know, uh, not being the man that I was, that I had become 
you know, and, and that's hard. It really is. It, even, it puts a lump in my throat now even saying it. It's not easy. It's not easy to, you know, put that out there. I hear that, man. And, and that's something that I can really respect is ownership. And I think that that is one of the highest virtues of what we want to call a man or, or an adult or whatever is, is how much, what's the degree to which you're taking ownership for your actions and your life and your choices. And I see that as just being something that is, is just a high version of that, you know, taking ownership for the choice that you made calling it what you will and saying, Hey, this happened. And I'm recommitting to moving forward in my life and being here. <laughs> it's powerful. Oh, well, you look back and you just tell people like, well, I don't want anyone to think that I'm doing better than anyone else. But when I talk to people, I said, I would like my story, my legacy, so to speak, that someone's going to look back and say, you know what? He shared these stories. He was in the deepest part that you could possibly ever be in in life. And yet he turned it into a positive. And again, not for kudos, not for a pat on the back, but just to prove that don't ever say never because you know what? I've been there. And yes, I had a great support system that took a lot of work, but I'm still here and I'm glad that she that she stopped me and I'm glad I'm still here to see my grandson and my boys grow up and to, to have conversations like this with you. And, and I've looked at life in a whole different light since those two attempts and I've just more positivity and just trying to reach out and help people and, and have them become aware of what's going on in this world. We're just, we're walking around with blinders on and it needs to stop. So. Mm. That's raw, man. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, you, you shared so much amazing gold with us today. I really enjoy the conversation that we've had. I've got a few quick lightning questions I'll ask before I give you a chance to tell us about what you're up to in the world and how people can follow you. And then we'll cut you loose for the day. So what is one thing that you have learned in your life that you wish you knew back when you were 18? One thing I learned in life that losing loved ones gets easier. Mm. Wow. Because it's easy to, well, because it's real easy to say. And, and I had a good relationship with my mom. And, and then even I say that to people, it's like, the, it's like the thing to say. But when you lose parents, especially, and all the guidance that I've missed out on, and especially with my mother, you know, 24, 25 years, whatever. I mean, there's times I just wish I could just sit with her for an hour and just, and just talk to her. You know, I don't, I, I lack those guidance. A lot of parents or a lot of people that are my age that are growing up, like, oh, I don't want to go visit my parents. It's too long of a ride. Listen, take the time, man, because. It just, I, I lost a lot when I lost both of my, even though I was older, I still don't have that connection anymore. I don't have that person to reach out to. Like, not that I don't reach out to my wife, but it's still nice to have dad or mom to say, Hey, you know what, what would you have done, you know, as, as a parent or in this situation? And so I lack that. So I, I just think that losing loved ones, if I'd known it was going to be this hard, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, maybe I would have been more prepared for it. I don't know, but I, I would say losing your loved ones gets easier. Mm. All right. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? If you had to break it down to one. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, okay, I'm going to just go off the beaten path and say love. I'm just going to say love. I'm not, and that means, I don't mean just love in general. I mean self-love, love for your family, love for your wife, love for your, you know, your, your parents. Your, so love in general. I think men need to love more and, and just learn that it's okay to, to just let that fly every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with it. Awesome, man. I love that. All right. And so, you know, last but not least, you, you alluded to your organization for S for life. You know, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yeah. a little bit about that. Obviously people can follow you on Facebook, but anywhere that people can follow you, work with you, support you, let us know. 
Absolutely. For us for life, the S is, I don't know, whoever, I don't even know if you know, but that stands for strength, struggle, sacrifice, and survival. So it can apply to any situation. Started it three years ago, memory of my parents, started raising awareness just for cancer, but we've opened it up. We've done things, discussions and panels and talks on everything from PTSD to addiction, suicide awareness, domestic violence, and so on and so forth. So yeah, uh, Facebook is For Us For Life. Website is www.forusforlife.com. I also have my own podcast. It's Earplug Podcast Network. It's done every Thursday evening live. And we do what we, and I'm hoping to have Mr. Jetty Zuma on my podcast now. I'll have to make sure that we tie that in so you can, uh, I can put you on the spot and ask you the lightning question. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I, I welcome that invitation, man. We just got to sort out the details so I can get on there. Absolutely. Appreciate everything that you're doing out there, man. You know, one of the other things that I'd like to say about your organization is, I know that you started it and put a lot of your own money into it. And, and maybe, I don't know how much you speak about that, but to me, that is one of the greatest leadership examples is putting some skin in the game and, and putting your putting your money where your mouth is and, and really being all in on it. I mean, that's what we do for things like this podcast. You know, it's not like, you know, we're uh, we're not the Lewis Howes of the world. We're not the Tim Ferriss yeah, of the right. world right now. It's, it's because we put our heart and soul into it. So I just want to acknowledge you for that, for being that kind of man that does it no, whatever it takes to make it happen. Well, the feeling's mutual from what you started here and, and honored that you, you know, have me as part of the group and be a part of the podcast. And to all the, the other gentlemen that are, that are part of uh, Rising Man, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any questions or just, you just want to talk, I've, I offer this to everybody. I know I'm a stranger. I may be across the country, but you can message me. Feel free. I will talk about any and all topics, anything that I've gone through, and maybe it'll help you in, in some form uh, in your lives as you move forward. So that's my open invitation to everybody that watches this podcast. Right on, man. I appreciate that. And uh, and let me just amend one thing I said. We're not Lewis House and Tim Ferriss yet. We're gaining on them. They, they just have a little more of that life experience, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, I hear you, man. I hear you. Right on, man. All right, cool, brother. Well, I look forward to being on your podcast, and we'll get you on here for a part two sometime. All right, man. I appreciate it. Have a great afternoon, buddy. You got it, man. Take care. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jacques because it was clear to you, I'm sure, how easy it was for us to jump in together. I mean, Jacques is a guy who is an East Coaster, straight shooter, doesn't pull any punches, calls the spade a spade, and I love that. Being from the East Coast myself, I miss that at times. So it was really refreshing to be in this conversation with Jacques, and I really appreciated what was opened up in this conversation. For myself personally, I really felt that when I'm speaking with a man that I respect and that I can level with, who's also speaking transparently and directly to me, wisdom that I didn't even know was there within myself and within the other man starts to emerge to the surface. And I feel like in this conversation, we really broke open some important and powerful topics that so many of us could benefit from sharing. And I really am grateful that Jacques was so willing to share his experience with suicide attempts and feeling depression, that dark tunnel that we spoke about. It's so powerful to acknowledge what it feels like to be in that space. And I know that there are men out there in the world who don't have an outlet to share that, who don't have a resource or feel comfortable or confident or safe enough to share exactly what they're going through. So here's my invitation to any of you men who are hearing this or any of you men who suspect that there's a man in your life who may be going through something like this, suffering and struggling in their own darkness, share this episode with them. Send it to them right now. 
Or if you're already listening to this episode and you're hearing this message at the end, reach out. Join the Rising Man Facebook group. Go to facebook.com slash group slash the Rising Man and let us know what you're going through. Because if you think you're the only man who's in that space, who's in that situation, here's a perfect example of what it looks like when you're doing it all by yourself. And recognize that vulnerability and transparency is one of the most attractive things. It's one of the most attractive things in the sense of garnering support and getting people behind you. So you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to suffer in silence and feel like there's nowhere for you to go. If you got anything from Jacques' story, make sure that you recognize that doing it by yourself leads you nowhere. And that sometimes just one conversation, one word, one smile, one face, one reminder that you have something powerful to live for can change everything. So if that's you, hit me up on Facebook Messenger. Let me know what that challenge is. Go to the Rising Man Facebook group. Do a live. Share a post about what you're going through right now because we want to help. That's what this is all about, you guys. The Rising Man community. We all rise together. Okay. Make sure you check out the show notes for links and resources to this episode at therisingmanpodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review of this podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Snap a screenshot, tag me in it, send it to me. I want to share it up on the socials so that everybody can see how much you are supporting the show, The Rising Man Movement. I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given The Rising Man Movement up to now. I really, really feel it and it goes a long way. I mentioned the Rising Man Facebook group already, so if you are not a member, go to facebook.com slash groups slash the Rising Man. Do it right now. And while you're at it, invite another man to be a part of the movement as well. Reach out to us on Instagram at the Rising Man Pod and at Jedi Azuma. That's my personal Instagram account. And as I always like to mention at the bottom of every show, shout out to Sean Offenbach over at Infinite Melodics. That's at Infinite M-E-L-O-D-I-X on Instagram. Sean is a wizard, and if you have any audio production needs, podcast needs, video editing, he's a man of many skills, and he is impeccable in the way that he supports and provides feedback and gets content back to me in a timely manner. So Sean, I appreciate everything you do, my man. Until next time, everybody, rise up and claim your destiny.